Welcome to the Revenue Accelerators Podcast, a show featuring B2B sales and business leaders. Hosted by Excelogy founder and 19-year sales veteran with leadership experience in strategic enterprise and telecom sales, Deep Trichonod. This show uncovers strategies and techniques business leaders have used to go from zero to one and beyond. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Accelerators is brought to you by Excelogy. We help B2B sales leaders improve sales performance by leveraging our patent-pending data-driven sales coaching systems. Find us at www.excelogy.com. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining. Today, With uh, we have with us Teresa Leno from Fresh Finance, the founder and um, owner of Fresh Finance. Um, and with that, actually, I'm just going to jump right in, Teresa. Thank you for, for joining us today. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Of thanks. course, of course. I'm excited to learn about you and Fresh Finance. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. I guess, you know, um, career perspective wise, I have a background in finance. Um, so that's kind of how this whole thing started. On a personal note, I um, enjoy being outside, you know, have children, love being around people, especially after, you know, COVID and working remotely. Um, but I'm very intrigued with uh, new technologies and, and the way that technology is, is evolving. Um, so a lot of my time is spent, you know, extra time is spent, you know, researching, reading about those types of things. So I noticed, I noticed actually, I did, you know, in my research about you, I did notice that you have a degree, um, from Minnesota state. Was that yeah. in finance? Um, no, no. I, it, interestingly, I started out as a pre-law student. Um, internet wasn't very much established at that point. We had to go and, you know, go to the computer lab, too yeah. much research by book. And I just was like, I'm not really into this. So I grabbed a quick teaching degree, um, did that for a short period of time. And um, from there, couldn't find work and started a a business. So um, I did go back into finance after two business runs, became a financial advisor, um, worked for AIG during the financial I don't know if I'm just going to call it recession, crisis, whatever, the beginning of the plague. Um, and then went over to JP Morgan Private Wealth. And from there went, you know, I need a better way to communicate with clients and kind of took a, a, a dive into the technology area. So it's been evolving um, to where I'm at today. But I, I like to say that I'm a constant learner and everything I've done in my journey, I've lear- learned from, you know, it's either been learning by mistake, uh, trial and error, or or just, you know, surrounding myself with people that can help me um, learn and achieve a goal. That's awesome. No, I love it. Um, I love the the passion around tech, especially Mm -hmm. because I have a similar background, graduated around the same time as well, had the same experiences with having to go to the computer lab. Email was barely a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I can appreciate that. So, so given your, your background in finance, like why fresh finance? Yeah. So, um, basically the tool, the technology is built around communication between like advisors, you know, clients, prospects. Um, there wasn't anything back then that we were able to communicate with our clients and, you know, millions upon millions, billions of dollars were being pulled out of the market and people were pulling them out at, 
you know, pulling out their retirement plans, doing whatever at the very bottom and weren't able to recover. And everything around those transactions and me being a wealth advisor, you know, there's only so much time that I could have been educating my clients going into this, but I thought there's got to be a, a better way. So maybe that's the teacher background in me where it's financial education, but that's kind of how the whole thing started. And it's just evolved into, I think, which is a really cool technology. So what, so when you say evolved, where did it start? And- yeah. So initially Fresh Finance was a publisher and we just were producing articles Okay. for other companies, advisors. And then it was like, well, we got to have a way to distribute out our technology. So from there, it was a digital newsletter software mm-hmm. um, that was enterprise. So meaning, you know, firms that have lots of financial advisors, we were a vendor for. And that was the first component. We still have that part of that product today. That's one of the tools. But now we're pulling in third-party articles from publishers that advisors can distribute to social media. We have direct APIs. Uh, we have a content library feature. Um, we also are exploring integrations with a uh, newly released chat tool specific for wealth management. Mm-hmm. So that's an integration. Um, and then also integration with CRM systems. So my philosophy is really that, you know, in wealth tech, they have uh, best of breed technologies that they pull into a dashboard. And in marketing, we have great technologies out there, you know, in the other industries, but they're not always real effective in pulling it all into one system. So you're not doing swivel sharing. Yeah. My industry, our technology is used in the wealth banking and insurance industries, which is highly regulated. So we also have to have the component overlaying where it's compliance reviewed, marketing managed, but accessible to advisors. So there's different layers of, of all that. But that's really been the philosophy is building out this content distribution tool. Um, We don't deal with websites. There's many providers out there that do a great job, but we want to provide all of that communication component and we can plug our tool into, you know, a website component too, or an RSS feed. So really that's kind of how the thing has evolved is that as new technologies come out, I'm examining them and saying, is this something that could be an integration? Um, And a lot of times integrations are driven by, you know, I may think it's a great idea, but really is it a financial corporation that's using our tool? Do they really want it? So some of these things plug in for some place, some Mm -hmm. firms and some don't. Um, But that's kind of how we've built our technology too, is that there's modules to it. So a company can go, Hey, I like that part of it. I like that part of it, but I don't need that. Um, And there again, we're specific to those three industries. So it's kind of been developed around the flow of how that needs to work. It, did that evolve as well? So like your 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 initial thought of who your customer base is and the ideal customer person, like the buyer to what it is now, has that yeah. evolved as well? And it's changed a little bit. Yeah. When, when we first came out, it was more like we were selling to the advisors or the banker or the insurance agent, but we still had to run through compliance. Um there's kind of been a shift where organizations now are forming these teams to benefit their, you know, their bankers or their insurance agents. Um, and those, those people have become our customers along with the corporation and the advisors. So today we're more of an enterprise software. We're at the beginning. We were more like a 
a tool that an advisor could purchase directly. So we really service companies that would have 25 or more employees that would be using our software. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and are you mostly domestic US or are you? We, um, we've dabbled. We've dabbled in Canada. We're here in the US, but we have some conversations that may take us across, as I call it, the big pond into Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as, you know, marketing evolves, for example, in Europe a few years back, um, in some areas and regions and, you know, with organizations, they didn't allow advisors or wealth managers to basically market themselves in any yeah. means because the clients are considered the firm's clients. That's somewhat changing where they're realizing we need to have, you know, our professionals with a social media presence because that is who the client has a relationship with. Yes, They don't have the relationship with a brand. They have it with a person. Yep. For the most part. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in my travels as well, same thing. They have, I've noticed that the more successful reps in sales, and this is kind of a, a good segue, is that the, the ones that take it upon themselves to have their own presence, to have their own personality and share mm-hmm. that, share that online. So, right. um, yeah, I can, I can, but are there any regulations that you, that, that you're yeah. to deal with when trying to do that? Yeah, there's regulations. I mean, there's certain words I can't say. I call them the the red flag list or the bad okay. naughty word list. Um, there's certain things that they just can't say because, you know, they can't mislead an investor. Sure. So that's where that chat tool comes in. Um, I've, I've worked with that team that's developed that tool. And, you know, I'm like, hey, if it's for wealth management and an advisor's drafting their own content, you got to have your tool programmed so that, if they type in, you know, you should do this or whatever it may be that the tool overrides it and, you know, puts in the correct words. Um, there's also approval has to happen when something's written. Like for us as a publisher, we have a very large database of about 900 articles. And because of my background, I've, you know, gone through them or people on my team have gone through them and we've taken out all those words and modified them. Um, but everything generally has to be run through a compliance team before it's, you know, allowed to be used with the public. So is that compliance team your team or do you like, how no, that would be the companies, the company that is, that is, uh, using the software would be on their compliance team to actually go in and review. Um, the way our tools designed is that the marketing team and the compliance teams have access to that entire content database Mm -hmm. and they can also pull in content from other providers they may use. But that's where they can go in, review it, change the words. And then once it's approved, it flows over to the advisor side and it's basically ready for use. So it's in the library that they can Yep. Use. It's in the library ready to go. They don't have to worry about any of that compliance protocol. Um, we have integrations with third-party providers. Um, Up Content is one of them and Vesterly is the other. And the way their tools are designed is that it filters out content or publications that I know off the bat are, are going to be a red flag. Like there's certain publications out there and un- unfortunately investors read it, but it's not a reputable source of, source of information. So we just eliminate those. But there again, even third-party social media content has to be reviewed by the yeah. compliance team to make sure it's accurate, you know, not swaying an investor. And then from there, approve it and make it available. Okay. Awesome. Um, and so what would you say are, I don't know, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but 
if you were to have one to three differentiators for fresh mm-hmm. finance versus the versus your competition, like what would you say? Yeah. Three. Um, I would say that probably the fact that we're pulling in other um, technologies, um, API and other technologies in to create a customized platform, I think is probably a differentiator. Um, that is a very big push on our end where I think a lot of them maybe claim it, but it's not all in the same dashboard or system. So that's a differentiator. Um, we provide a large database of articles that we own in our system, but they're editable. So the firm can go in and give it the brand voice, make it, make it their own where a lot of our competitors aren't allowing that. Um, that's probably the second differentiator. And then I think the third is our newsletters and everything that the, that the advisor or wealth manager can use their, it's got their brand on it. And we've built an automation. I don't want to say AI, but as, <laughs> as an invest, as an advisor um, is registering, they're uploading their logo, they're uploading their, their picture. And the banner actually is designed within the software with the company branding colors, advisor oh, photo, nice. everything. So it's eliminating a graphics design aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've tried to build as many automations as possible so that it's less reliant on human capital because they have enough to do quite honestly. Yep. And, um, so I think that's a differentiator too, is that some of those features have been automated. So do you have, and I'm sorry, this was, I'm going totally off my own kind of, point <laughs> here, but cause I'm really curious that it's fascinating. Do you have your own dev team or do you? Yes. Yes. Um, we have our own dev team. Um, I am quite happy to say that they are a third-party contractor team that we've had an eight-year relationship with. Oh, very nice. And they've been amazing and they're great developers and they they develop, you know, other industries too. But, oh yeah, it's just like, it's been a good working relationship. I've come to them with ideas, you know, and how do you think we can do this? And I'm always like, how many hours will it take? You know, yes. that yes. type of thing so that I can budget for it. Um I have not had any outside venture capital or investors. This has been, well, that's good and bad. This has been bootstrapped, which maybe has hindered the growth trajectory, but it's also nice in this day and age to not be leveraged um, and to be a cash, yeah, a cash basis business um, and have everything paid off has been, I think, I think good. Thank you. It's been, it's been tough, but you know, it's, I think, I think in the long run, it was probably the best route for us. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. How big are you? If you can share It's small company, there's about nine people that work for me on a monthly basis, but we Mm -hmm. pull in contractors as needed. Um, typically it's been graphic design contractors or like, you know, writers, there may be a specific project where we need additional writers. Um, and we have people that, you know, are on our list that have done finance, you know, maybe write independently, are retired, great writers. Um, But that's about the the headcount on a monthly basis of, you know, who's aboard. So um, most of those are going to be dev and tech people and people that don't really care about LinkedIn, which is totally fine with me. Um, (laughs) The head of dev, and this is a funny story. When I went to him with, hey, we need to be doing these social media integrations with LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter, he was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is LinkedIn? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Cause wow. he just is not, he's not into it. You yeah, know, yeah, there are. Yeah. And he's like, well, why would you want to do this? And I'm explaining why we would want to do. All right. Let's, you know, 
So it goes into the developer tools and, you know, gets the information and we apply for our direct API and there you go. So that's awesome. So, so that actually is a great segue. So like who does sales for you? So right now we have a consultancy firm that is doing some sales for us, mainly through introductions. They're immersed in our space. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's basically introductions to the C-suite people that can make a decision. Is it referral based basically? Like, so that Uh, it's been more like, it's no, it's been more like referral based. And then if it involves a contract, you know, at that point they get, a percentage of that. Um, And in some instances, it's just been, you know, somebody that I'll meet along the way and they're like, oh my gosh, you have to meet this person at this firm. Um, We, because we're not selling directly to advisors and we're specifically in the wealth space, um, it, you know, I feel requires basically a person or a team of people that are already in that space working. So that's been the challenging thing is that, you know, challenging in a sense, but also on a daily basis, I have emails that come in or people hit me up on LinkedIn that want it like, Hey, we can increase your sales from X to Y to Z. But they don't have the background in the wealth space, nor do they have the connections yeah. Yeah, yeah. in the industry. hundred percent. And with our regulated industry, you need those connections or they're not going to, they're not even going to take a look at you because you know, we're, we're industry specific. Is So is, is this model temporary or is this something? I would say at this point, it is probably temporary and we could change. Um, Part of my, you know, two-year plan is that at some point we get someone on our team that is in charge of sales um, has, is bringing those connections in, mm-hmm. um, maybe has worked for a competitor in the past. Cause there's yep. been so much consolidation and knows who to go talk to. Um, but also to have relationship managers, once that sale is made where they are the direct contact person going into the financial firm, you know, talking to procurement and marketing and whoever's using our, our software. So that's kind of how I envision it in the future. Awesome. Um, and then on that, so as a founder and owner, you've been in this for a little while, at least eight years, what you described. Um, can you like, what are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way, particularly not just from starting up, but I'm more from the kind of the zero to one, like, how did you get to one? How did yeah. you sell that? Your first, how do you sell your first customer? That was actually really funny. Um, at the time I was working for JP Morgan Chase and had a couple financial advisors that were, you know, clients, but were for a separate firm. They might've had accounts over there. And uh, a few of them just kind of were like, you know, trying to recruit me to get over to their firm. And I said, that's not my overall plan. They go, what's your plan? And I started telling them a little bit about the product, um, which at the time I had signed my OBA with that particular company and, you know, got their approval, go ahead and go do this, which was a reason why I totally left that position a few months later. But when I was telling them about what I was building, they were very intrigued and they worked for basically our first customer, which was a large organization, um, with about 2,300 advisors And so when the product was ready, I showed this particular group of financial advisors what this was. And they're like, we're going to set you up with the head of compliance and the head of marketing. And I pitched them. I literally pitched them. And we we walked through the product, you know, how they wanted to see it evolve, 
the content, you know, we have to review it, all that kind of stuff. So that that large financial organization was our first customer. And at that point, we were selling directly to their advisors because we were a vendor. Um, so right before the first sale happened or the first advisor bought, um, my direct boss came in and basically said, you got to decide what you want to do. Do you want to be working for our corporation or do you want to have fresh finance? And I said, well, and he was upset, even though I had signed my OBA, he was yeah, infuriated because yeah. he's like, you're selling to a competitor. And, and I just remember looking at him and I said, do you want me to finish out the month or would you like me to pack up my stuff now? And then uh, <laughs> he said, finish out the month. <laughs> and I remember leaving work and I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? It's like, I got to, I got to make it work. Got to make it work. So, you know, there was a lot of hustle. There was side jobs. There were those types of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I say to anybody thinking about starting their own company or business, whatever it may be, is get yourself financially ready to do it. Make sure you don't have any debt. Reduce your debt. You know, if you have a partner in your life that makes sure they're 100% on board. Um, I did this as a single mother. Um, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it it was financially challenging. Um, my parents did help, uh, pay my living expenses, uh, my housing and my utilities, you know, for a set period. And then after that, it was like, you better be making a profit because here you are. (laughs) So, so that's awesome. That's actually, that's, luck preparedness and whatnot to get to mm-hmm. land that big yeah. as your first one or big yes. client as your first one, but any challenges along the way since that? Yeah. Time? Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I did initially seek capital from a, you know, an investment group or two mm-hmm. and I kept hearing, and this was 10 years ago. I mean, things have changed somewhat, yeah. although we know women and minority owned businesses are not funded the same way that, yes. you know, white male dominated. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, but you know, one of them was like, well, we don't lend unless you're a half a million rev. And I said, you know, if I, if I already was to half a million rev, I wouldn't be sitting wouldn't across the table. Yeah. I wouldn't need it. <laughs> and even today, you know, I get venture capital people all the time, you know, Hey, we'd love to, we'd love to, you know, borrow you some money, but you need to have a five mil or 10 mil val. And I'm like thinking, why would I, do- what I'm not, you know, this yeah. is not a unicorn. I shouldn't need that kind of money if I'm doing things right. With that said, if you need to seek capital, consider how much involvement you want, because there are lenders, VC people that will help set you up with their marketing team or whoever it may be. Yeah. And then there's other ones that are going to call you in the middle of the night and be like, you know, want to be monitoring your profits every single minute. Basically loan sharks. Well, loan sharks in a sense, <laughs> but it's like you need to determine because the... I, being able to make it on your own is like almost impossible, Yeah. but seek out assistance. Maybe that's the third thing. So the second thing would be, if you need to borrow, consider who you're, who you're going to borrow from. The third thing I would say is to seek out assistance in the, in the assistance, meaning like other people in your specific industry, you know, maybe there's an organization or someone with that background to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, someone that's walked in your shoes and has had those experiences where they can be offering you advice, you know, I guess. And, and that's solid. also to making sure you have a business plan. That's actually a business plan. You know, what percentage should go to marketing? What percentage is for this or that? 
don't go with the big shiny office and hire a bunch of people that you don't need because you don't have to look good to be successful. And my background in finance, I learned relatively quickly that the people that were flashing the Rolodexes and driving the Maseratis and this and that weren't necessarily the people with money. Yeah. Um, if you operate lean, you're going to have longevity. Yep. If you have to keep, you know, you can't borrow your way to success. So really think about your decision. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Awesome advice. And from a, from a go-to-market perspective, any lessons there from like a sales go-to-market? Yeah. Are yeah, you- definitely. Definitely know your competition. Make sure you differentiate yourself in the market. Um, I've sat in on pitches, watching people pitch. I think they thought I was an investor and I was not, but I got invited, you know, to watch mm-hmm. some of pitches for financial technology. And some of these companies were pitching a new product that I'm like, well, there's three other companies doing the same thing. So really do your research. Um, and also, you know, you have to, you have to bring something to market that is different. And, and what makes you different? Is it pricing? Is it product? I mean, it better be product, first of all. Pricing, yes, but you also don't want to give it away. Um, make sure you have the right people on your team. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a very much a believer in friends and family may not be your best employees. I'm, I actually agree with you. Actually, <laughs> all kinds of problems down, down the road. Um, all right. So my last question for you is like, what do you look forward to with fresh, with fresh finance? Like what, what excites you, if anything? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that excites me like right now, and I've, I've felt this way for the last two years, basically since, you know, kind of coming up COVID and coming out of COVID is that I firmly believe that we're a piece to a greater a greater thing. So we're a puzzle piece in this big other plan. Um, and that's exactly where I want to be is that we're a component to someone else's product or another tool to someone else's product. Um, and that may be in the marketing space or it may be in the wealth tech space, but I feel we're a component to something bigger and either that's through acquisition or a mutual beneficial partnership. Um, so that's challenging and exciting to me. The other thing is to see what tools come out, you know, or what technologies evolve. Like, I don't really care right now about, you know, the Twitter meta battle going on or anything like that. I'm waiting for another tool to come on the market that grabs our attention. So I'm always trying to look ahead to see what may be coming or what's new and how is it different. Um, that's my, that's what excites me is just where things can go. Um, and where can we add, you know, what other technologies can we pull in through APIs? Cause I, I believe APIs are the way to go versus developing it yourself. Like we're currently talking to an analytics company out of Canada. It's more of a friendship at this point, but it could be Mm -hmm. a business relationship. Now, can my company develop analytics and plug into our system? Yeah, we already have some, but this is a straight up analytics provider that is what they do. They're going to do it much better than us. Yep. So of course, why would we not? We're going to connect to them. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's my philosophy is do something and do something well, but look for partners that are already doing it better than you could and use their technology to help build out your platform. That's awesome. Well, well, Teresa, thank you so much for your thank time. You. Uh, thanks everyone for, for listening in. Um, and with that, we'll catch you next time. 
Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Be sure to check us out at www.excelogy.com. 